A Night in the Lonesome October, October 10th. It rained steadily all day, so I didn't go out much, and not far when I did. No one came by. I made the rounds many more times than usual, partly out of boredom. Good thing that I did. The thing was strangely quiet as I entered the basement. In a moment, I saw why. We had developed a leak. The water entered at the wall, ran along a sagging beam, and dripped down several feet farther in. It had formed a puddle, and the puddle was slowly spreading. One moist pseudopod was extended in the direction of the circle, having perhaps another ten inches to run before it breached it. I howled a long, loud, mournful thing I saved for occasions such as this. Then I threw myself onto the streamer and rolled in it, absorbing it into my coat. Hey! cried the thing. Cut that out! This was meant to be! So was this, I snapped. And I turned over and rolled in the puddle itself, soaking myself as I tossed and wriggled, absorbing a great deal. I moved off to a far, dry corner then and turned over several times on the floor there, spreading the moisture about in a place where it would evaporate harmlessly. Damn dog! It snarled. Another few minutes and I'd have made it! I guess it's just not your lucky day, I replied. There were footsteps on the stair. When Jack entered and saw what had happened, he went and fetched a mop. Shortly, he was cleaning up the rest of the puddle and wringing it out into a basin while the thing fumed and turned pink, blue, and sickly green. He set a pail beneath the drip then and told me to call him again if we developed any other leaks. We didn't, though. I checked regularly all afternoon. The rain finally stopped after dark, and I waited several hours after that, just to be sure, before going out. Moving around to the front of the house, I unearthed the now slimy piece of drugged meat from where I had buried it. I carried it up the road with me and deposited it in plain sight at Owen's front door. The place was dark, and Cheater was nowhere in sight, so I prowled around a bit. Under the huge old oak in the back, I discovered eight large wicker baskets in various stages of construction, and seven smaller ones. There were also lots of heavy ropes about. I sniffed around. There was also a ladder nearby. Such industry for a frail-looking old guy. I walked a straight line then, passing through yard and field. Partway to my goal, it began raining again lightly. A huge mass of clouds occluded a small area of sky, darker shapes within darkness, and there came a brief, pale glow from within, followed by a low rumble of thunder. Continuing, I came at last into the precincts of the good doctor's abode. It was as if I were directly beneath the low cloud cluster now, and even as I watched, a triple-pronged piece of brightness fell from overhead to dance among the rods on the old building's roof. The crash came almost immediately, and the basement windows blazed more brightly. I remained in the grasses, listening, and I heard a man's voice from within shouting something about seeing to the ladens. There followed another flash crash. Another devil's tap dance of fire on the roof. More shouts, more flares from the windows. I crept nearer. Peeking in, I could see a tall man in a white coat, his back to me, leaning over something on a long table, his own form blocking my view of his subject. A small, misshapen individual crouched in a far corner, eyes darting, making nervous movements with his hands. 
There came another flash, another crash. Electrical discharges played about a bank of equipment off to the tall right, right man's right. They stained my eyes with afterimages for a time. The tall man shouted something and moved to one side. The small man rose and began to dance about. Something on the table, covered, I could now see by a sheet, twitched. It might have been a large leg that did it beneath the cloth. There came another blinding burst and a deafening roar. The scene within was momentarily an inferno. Through it all, it seemed to me that something large and manlike tried for a moment to sit up on the table, its exact outline masked by the flowing cloth. I backed away. I turned and ran as more fire fell from the heavens. I had done my duty. This seemed ample investigation here for one night. I walked my next line from the good doctor's to Larry Talbot's place. I came out of the rain partway there and shook myself at some point. When I reached Larry's house, I saw it to be well lighted. Perhaps he really did suffer from insomnia. Circling the place many times, I spiraled inward, pausing to inspect a small gazebo to the rear. Within, outlined in dried mud, I discovered a large paw print, which appeared identical to the one I had found near my home. Drawing nearer, I rose onto my hind legs, four paws against the side of the house, and peered in through a window. Empty room. The third one I inspected led upon a skylighted room filled with plants. Larry was there, staring into the depths of an enormous flower and smiling. His lips were moving, and though I could hear low sounds, I could not distinguish the words he uttered. The huge blossom moved before him, whether because of air currents or by its own volition I could not tell. He continued to murmur, and finally I turned away. Lots of people talked to their plants. Next, I oriented myself as best I could and attempted to follow a straight line from Larry's place to the Count's crypt. I came to the ruined church first, and I paused there, trying to visualize the rest of the pattern. By then, a faint lightning had begun in the east. As I lay puzzling, a large bat, much bigger than needle, swooped in from the north, passing behind a big tree. It did not emerge on the tree's other side, however. Instead, I heard the softest of footfalls, and a dark-suited man in a black cloak stepped out from behind the tree. I stared. His head snapped in my direction, and he spoke, Who is there? Suddenly, I felt very exposed. There was only one role I could think to play. Uttering an idiot series of yips, I rushed forward, wagging my tail furiously, and threw myself on the ground before him, rolling about like some attention-starved stray. His bright lips twitched into a brief, small smile, and he leaned forward and scratched me behind the ears. Good dog, he said in slow, guttural tones. Then he patted my head, straightened, and walked off toward the crypt. He halted when he reached it. One moment he was standing there, the next moment he was gone. I decided it was time to get gone myself. His touch had been very cold.